Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. How do we help our kids cope with all of the things happening in our world today? Mass shootings, wildfires, climate change. How do we help our kids when we are anxious too? Answers to come. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thanks for being here, and thank you for supporting our sponsors. How do we ease our kids' school anxiety when we might be feeling anxious? After all, there were 51 school shootings that resulted in injury or death in 2022. Wildfires are destroying communities and affecting air quality. Hurricanes, heat, infectious disease, malaria is back in the U.S. Increasing rates of depression and suicide. It's a lot. And that's on top of the now typical anxiety that many parents and kids feel about school and sports. Joining us today is Stephanie Malia Kraus, a social worker, an educator, a parent, and author of Whole Child, Whole Life, 10 Ways to Help Kids Live, Learn, and Thrive. Welcome, Stephanie. Oh, I'm so glad to be here with you, Jen, and I'm so overwhelmed hearing you read all of those things out loud. You know, we spend so much time on this podcast, generally, trying to reassure parents like, it's not as bad as you fear, right? Our minds have this ability to like project the worst possible outcomes. So when our son doesn't want to get up to go to school or when he refuses to do his homework, we are absolutely convinced that he is going to be a complete and total failure and living in our basement at 35. And so we spend all this time reassuring parents I don't want to add to parents' sense of anxiety. And so I even hesitated to put all that together. And yet, like, we all know this is all happening. Yeah, we're recording this the first full week of school for my boys. And I just want to, like, walk you through what that has looked like and the ways in which I think we are as parents and caregivers and kids constantly confronted by either, like, the low to loud crises in our lives and sort of catastrophic conditions. And I I do feel like it is this volume or frequency that gets turned up and down. I like that framing of it because it is this spectrum. And, you know, like I remember the COVID pandemic, right? And at first this was just a very low rumble in the background, but then when it started hitting like your own community, your own family, it got turned way up. Oh yeah. Yeah. So let me walk you through this. So first full week of school, the boys were back for a couple of days last week. So we in the Midwest are, uh, as you know, cause you live in the Midwest, we're in the middle of this like unprecedented heat wave. So the first thing that happens is all of the sports for the first week of school are canceled or modified. And so there's a duality on the one hand, 
we are uh, quickly crunching our calendars and schedules mm -hmm. and also trying to figure out um, in a way that's like normal and not normal, like looking up on Google, like how hot is too hot? What actually is life threatening? Yes. Uh, tip off conditions while we're existing in the heat. And then on top of the heat, because everything is so dry, there was a really horrible fire a couple of towns over. So while we didn't have Canadian wildfire smoke, we woke up on Monday with unbelievable smoke, just blanketing everything. So now I'm the duality, nervous about air quality and heat, and also looking up like, what is the protocol for air quality? And do I have all of my air purifiers on? And then I get a beep and it's a picture of my two godchildren on their first day of school. Um, and as you know, but listeners may not know, my godson survived a brutal school shooting last year. And so here he is miraculously having survived. He was, you know, shot multiple times in front of the same building. And so the duality again, oh my gosh, the like terror of looking at not only him, but now his baby sister, my goddaughter, both in front mm. of this where the shooting happened and also like looking at their new outfits and wanting to tell them to have a great first day. And then I get a call, Jen, from my neighbor who they are our best friends and we carpool. And she says, you're not going to believe this, but her little uh, girl has COVID. And so now, Please. right. So now this morning I'm like, wait, do I, do I remember do I remember COVID protocol? Are my tests expired? And I'm swabbing my kid. And so do I have the masks where I where I put them? Are those still accessible? My little one like put on his mask and make sure like it doesn't it doesn't smell because it's been a while. Yeah. So back to again like low to loud. And let's put this in a bigger context. Two weeks ago, I was in Hawaii, which again at the time of this recording, we're just days out from wildfires completely torching parts of the island that are a huge part of, of my personal history and heritage. And like, suddenly all these kids are out of school. And so you have this weird thing that's happening, I think, which is we are raising our kids amid this continuous onslaught of catastrophic conditions that again, go from the, the low to the loud. And so if you imagine each one is this knob of infectious disease of, you know, I go to the doctor and they're like, Oh, it's not just COVID, but flu is really early this year. And there's also strep and there's these other pieces. And so you kind of, you know, you have a kid who develops symptoms and you're like, where is this between normal cold and immune system building and like, yeah, deadly and, and life-threatening. And then you kind of go with that, with the air quality and you go with that, with the weather and you go with that, with the risk of shooting. And we think, I think, as parents and caregivers, on most days that we're doing okay. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I'm going to give you like a real life confession. I thought I was doing okay with all of this like noise frequency in the background. And then I was driving to pick up my 10-year-old from after school yesterday. And there were two police cars, mm -hmm. lights on behind me, one block from the school. And you know exactly what I thought. I do. I mean, listeners, Stephanie can see me. You can't. Like, my hand went to my face because I know what that fear is. Yeah. We all know it. So here I am. The blood, like, drops to my toes. 
my first thought is like, can I beat the police? Like, should I pull over? Oh my God. Should I go faster? And, and that's I, such a mom, a parent instinct right there. I mean, in any other circumstance, you what? would not think, can I outrun the police? No, no, of course. Pull over, be so polite. And I get to the three-way stop that's right in front of the school. And I look and every parent there is white knuckling it because the police have just shot around. And then I'm just breathing and praying, breathing and praying while I like round the corner and the police had gone off somewhere else. It was not the school, but what it showed me, and this happened in Hawaii when the wildfires happened as well, is that there's also this like catastrophe compression of, we think we're doing okay until some event or some trigger happens. And then we realize actually we're not. And sometimes that trigger, I think can actually be a little thing. You know, it doesn't have to be another catastrophe. It can be something stupid and little it could I'm totally making this up on the spot it could be like I I went grocery shopping I did all the things and I forgot like the one thing that we really needed that could be that proverbial straw that just I collapse and I have this overreaction that I like it's kind of out of whack to the thing but I must be holding on to a lot of stuff right now right and then you think about I think about my kids So then Mm -hmm. what does it mean that my kids are also, their mom was in Hawaii while it was burning. I was away from them. They, They also survived the school shooting and are now going back into a school building without any changes having been made. They're the ones not doing the sports in the heat. They're the ones outside with the air quality, right? Like they're the ones who are in the classroom knowing that COVID is back and whether or not this variant ends up being serious or not, COVID is back. And I thought of the the part about the kids and the sports being canceled straight off when you said it, just that one thing, that one thing for a lot of kids, that's the thing they look forward to about school. This is their opportunity to be physical, to be active, you know, to have some fun. So you take that away. And we saw this happen during the COVID pandemic and the shutdowns in our efforts to protect our children. We end up taking away things that are also important to their development. And certainly we have seen now that impacts them. And yet it is our responsibility as the adults to look out for our children's health and and physical and mental well-being and it can be hard to balance all that yeah and so when we that's right so when we think about our kids health and healing and their well-being whether it's the beginning of the school year or any time throughout one of the things that i'm kind of confronted with is you know imagine the world is kind of one bis- big dysfunctional family that our kids are a part of and they're getting signals that things are about to go off the rails again? Or when, when are they getting signals? And so it could be the small thing. So they hear COVID being talked about again. And the question is, what is their internal response? And what are the supports and skills they need then? So do they think, oh, COVID is back and I'm, I'm fine? Or do they think it's all going to shift? You know, the world's going to shut down again. I'm going to end up at home. It's going to be just like it was, or are they somewhere in between? And so this brings me back to that idea of like, I 
think, Jen, given what I know about the science of learning, the science of child and youth development, well-being, trauma, stress, that what it takes for years, I talked about in my work, in my writing, how do we support kids in changing times? How do we support kids in even challenging times, tough Mm -hmm. times? But I think that there is another level of what does it look like to support kids amid continuous crises and catastrophic conditions, whether it's the perception or, or fear of them or the actuality of them, again, low to loud. And what does that require that's different? What does that require from us for our own tending and caring? And what does that require from us in our, in our own parenting? That is a lot to take in. And I love the framing because it's something that a lot of us are, you know, sensing intuitively. And I personally love this uh, conception of the world as one big dysfunctional family. Cannot think of a better description for us. And I know, yeah, I think we, uh, many of us have our own versions of that at a smaller scale, right? So one of my adaptations growing up in my dysfunctional family personally was I am hyper alert for signs of uh, signs of something's going bad because if I can detect it, then I can intervene and I can do something about that. Um, Wait, can you- I pause you on that? Because yeah. I also am hyper alert, and one of the things that I had to understand, and this is important for any any of our kids growing up in this dysfunctional family, is because my environment and experiences taught me to do that, and so what I then would think was like a gut feeling was actually all this data that I was collecting of how circumstances were changing. I was very tuned in to changes in those dynamics. And so now you put that in the context of a kid who, even if they're raised in a really healthy functional home right. around them has taught them perhaps to be hyper alert, hyper vigilant. You and I have done enough research that we know, and a lot of our listeners will as well, like, yes, there's pluses to that. It's certainly a survival strategy. Like when you are living amidst, say, a volcano that may be exploding, you want to be alert for subtle changes in the environment so you can get the hell out of there in time. And yet living in this constant state of hyper alert is not great for our nervous systems. It's not great for our bodies. It's not great for our mental health over time. And I would love to hear your thoughts on, you know, there are a lot of us who are adults right now who are parenting our children, who are dealing with our own hyper alert states. And we are feeling our anxiety really ramped up because as much as we want to say, okay, like I can't actually do anything too much about the pandemic. And I mean, I've got masks and tests here somewhere and I, I can't personally put out any wildfires. So I guess I'll get an air purifier. It's still ramping up our concern and concern is one thing. Anxiety can be crippling and anxiety can also be contagious. That's right. That's right. A brief pause before we get into what's normal and what's not brief pause for these words from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. 
And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk, and Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order, byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer, and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. So this has been my internal mantra as I've been thinking about this beginning of school. And I think that sometimes you need these kind of normal milestone moments to realize what's normal and what's not. So I am Mm -hmm. extra reflective because it's the beginning of the year. 
it's a memorable time. It's a meaningful time of like, which catastrophe buttons are, are like turned on. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the question for me is how do I support my kids in these kind of catastrophic conditions or possibilities without catastrophizing myself and without them catastrophizing. So let's kind of break that down in a couple of different ways. What we know from the research. So I wrote whole child, whole life because I was doing all of my focus was on what do kids need to be ready for adulthood and adulthood is going to be much different because the future is changing. Yes. Kids adult um, experiences will be different than ours because technology is changing at a rate it never has before. Our environment is changing at a rate it never has before. Yep, absolutely. So I was going out, I was talking about this changing future and people kept saying to me, hey, I'm afraid my kid's going to burn out or give up before they get there. Mm -hmm. And, And so that's what set me on this course to write Whole Child, Whole Life to ask like, what do our kids need to be well, to be whole, to be healthy? And what was so amazing, I think one of the things that's really um, important for me to hold on to is that there are these core practices that support health and healing and learning and development at the same time. And so one of those comes up when we think about how do we manage the overwhelm and the overload. So what we know happens is that when young people are experiencing trauma or high levels of stress, that hypervigilance, um, or they're, you know, they're sort of activated, it really pulls in, and you know, pieces of this, it pulls all the energy to the back of the brain to that sort of survival state. Well, if that survival state, if we think about it, like the energy it takes to open a fridge door, mm-hmm. if that survival state has to be activated enough or, or often enough, the body's really efficient and it's like, we'll just keep, keep the door open. Even if the food's going to rot, like even if the brain's going to be hurt by it, it's taking too much effort and energy to keep turning it on, turning it off, turning okay. it on, keep it toggling off. back and forth between sections. So we'll just, you're online, stay yeah. online. And so what you see then is that kids become either hyper aroused or hypo aroused. So in the hyper aroused, ah. that's us hypervigilant, hyper-responsible, sometimes super anxious or frantic or frenetic. Hypo-aroused looks like laziness or boredom or being tired, right? They're like kind of dragging, but both are these biological responses to overactivation in the back of the brain. That requires the energy, which takes it away from the front of the brain. And the Mm. front of the brain is responsible for all of the things that you want in school and learning and work, things like focus and organization and decision-making skills and all of those pieces. Impulse control. Exactly. So the way that I kind of think about this is bottom line, first foundational truth for us as parents is to realize, understand, grieve, and accept that our kids are living in a near constant state of overwhelm and overload. If not for this, like, possibility or reality of catastrophic conditions than for the onslaught of information, social media, stimulation, and sensory input, often a confluence of both things. We also are constantly overwhelmed and overloaded. So what I kind of think about is how do you first like balance the brain 
Somehow you have to calm down the back of the brain, the survival instinct. So it's not so hyperactivated and get energy back to the front to help with emotional regulation and focus and organization and decision-making and all of those kinds of things. So even in a rising crisis situation, right? Even in a situation where, you know, you mentioned a lot of things stacking up around you right now, you know, air quality, um, extreme heat, mm, any of these could keep rising. Uh, Even in those circumstances, if it's not immediate danger, like your, your town is on fire, you just get out of there. But rising circumstances, I think what you're saying is that there is some value in taking some time to deliberately slow things down because you need to be able to do some more complex thinking. And that's difficult to do when you're just in this either hyper or hypo aroused state. You got it. So in my own life with my own children, as crises and those conditions, those possible catastrophic conditions go up, the conditions around calm have to go up at the same time. So when I was writing whole child, whole life, what I wanted to figure out was what are the conditions that enable kids to thrive no matter what environment they're in? And dear God, is it possible for them to thrive in, in really tough times in in really hard changing circumstances where there is volatility and uncertainty. And I think where there also is that, like, as you said, that like existential anxiety, that is the mm-hmm. hardest to deal with. I'm not a firefighter. I can't stop the wildfires. I can't stop the infectious disease from happening. And so what it looks like in my house is customizing calm to each child. Um, So I want to talk about what that looks like for each of my kids and also what those conditions of thriving are so that we know what to look for. So in the last 48 hours, customizing calm for my older child meant taking a stand in the heat and the smoke and saying that he didn't have to go to the baseball practice that was still scheduled. So one league canceled all practices for the heat and air quality and one did not. For him, he had anxiety and I did too. And he could perceive my anxiety. We were anxious because of his health conditions that he's monitored for um, and because of the environmental conditions that it was a dangerous combination, air quality and heat. He's asthmatic. He um, has a a health condition that can be provoked by overheating. And so how we could control the environment was by saying, you don't have to go. Like there's no pressure to go. You don't have to go for my other child who our best friends have COVID right now. There are carpool. We still were taking one of the two kids who's symptom-free to school. Um, The boys collectively, the one who's carpooling and my son decided they were going to wear masks in the car. I could have said, no, we don't have to do that anymore. Or the, you know, I put the windows down, but it made them feel safer in the car together to wear the mask for that ride. And that was their choice. I was supporting that choice. I also COVID tested him this morning because it gave him the peace of mind to not be hyper-focused on it 
while he's at school today. I love that this is a conversation about customizing calm. Because given the same exact circumstances, for a different child, it may be handled very differently. If your oldest son didn't have asthma, didn't have his pre-existing health condition, the decision about whether or not to participate in his practice may have been very different. A hundred percent. And for him, it may have been, this is the first week of school. I'm worried about you know, the COVID element or the shooting element or, or friendships because it's middle school, whatever it was, right. staying in sports and going to that practice was, would be vital for his health. Yes. And we yeah. have to personalize. Okay. So let's talk about then what thriving looks like. So the research is really clear. And I talk about this in whole child, whole life, that wholeness, which includes health and healing um, as kind of the first condition that there are sort of five signs. I think about them as like the lights coming on, like five Ooh, lights like for thriving. So one is that kids feel safe and supported. And now as you listen to these, think about each child, each of your boys, my boys, each kid is going to be different with safety and support. I think about, is their body safe? Is their heart, you know, their feelings mm -hmm. safe, their emotional sort of psychological. And then um, I have a mentor who talks about soul safety, which I just love. Like, ooh, does their actual soul feel safe with this person or in this place? So safety and support is one. That's a big one for this generation because of how they've grown up. The second is, do they feel rooted and connected? So do they feel like, they're connected to the people they're with. They belong in the space where they are. Um, as adults, sometimes we use the feeling of like, are we grounded? Do we feel grounded right now? Um, kids don't know that language, but you can see where they like, they feel settled. Um, that's mm -hmm. a good, you know, indication. For me, of that one has always been, I am fortunate I happen to be, you know, born into a large and interconnected family. I'm one of six siblings and, you know, we have good relationships. So for me, especially as I've gotten older, right, rooted and connected is me realizing that I am part of this larger net of people. So even if I fall, there's some other people there who can help catch me and hold me up. And I try and point that out for my children because of course, as, as children, and especially as young adults and teenagers, you know, they're invincible. They don't need anybody else. And yet it is good to know that there, you have multiple layers because you are part of this web. Oh yeah. Like who are your people mm -hmm. for my 12 year old in middle school? I want to know that he's able to see some of his people, some mm -hmm. of his friends and the adults who he trusts during the day. Okay. So we've got safe and supported, rooted and connected. The next one is healthy and healing. Um, so this does tend to what are the personal health needs and kind of like trauma okay. um, background and it's an active process, but does this kid have what they need? Does this adult have what they need to be on the road to good health and healing? Okay. Um, the next one is learning and growing. So, you know, whether it's in at baseball practice or at school or at home, novelty is actually a basic need. Um, and so staying curious and having those synapses in your brain firing is a part of thriving. And the last one is living with joy and purpose. 
And so these five lights, so safe and supported, rooted and connected, healthy and healing, uh, learning and growing and living with joy and purpose. What the research has shown is that all for kids to thrive, all five need to be turned on at one time. It's not like a pick and choose. So if let's go all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, a child is constantly or chronically feeling unsafe yeah. for whatever reason perceived or actual, they cannot thrive. If a kid is not healing from the trauma of the past few years, um, and it is actively showing up in their life, they cannot fully thrive. Now, the reverse of that is if they are, you know, continuing to um, have their health supported or, you know, have that safety and support or really experiencing joy, those are the conditions that support health and healing, learning and development that help the hypervigilant kid and the kid that looks lazy and whatever. And the amazing part bringing this conversation full circle is those conditions of thriving will protect and support a kid even in catastrophe, even in crisis, or even in the possibility that that comes up, which means we as parents have so much power that we can create the conditions in our house. We can create the conditions in our relationships and we can help them to weather so much adversity. I imagine that there are a lot of parents right now who are feeling a little bit like I am. I'm like, Stephanie, that is a big list of things. I mean, you're telling me that I have to have my kid feeling safe and supported and rooted and connected and all of these things and joy all on top of this while I'm trying to manage my stuff because guess what? I might not have all those pieces taken care of. Help us understand how we can realistically do this while we're going, help. Mm-hmm. So I would say the same way that we talked about custom calm, what I have come to learn is that thriving is a state of being. You don't arrive there and there are multiple levels. So I want you to go back to your nursing days. I think about thriving, like getting an EKG and every day the kids sort of thriving EKG prints out. And, um, I'm trying to think of what an equivalent visual would be for people who don't know what an EKG is like, if people understand like the heart rhythm that kind of goes up and down, it prints out. And so you just want to be above the flat line. (laughs) Like that's. That you don't want to, you don't want the flatliner below. Trust that's me. That's right. You don't want the flatliner below. And so there are levels of joy that sure. ratchet thriving up, but the absence of joy and purpose is below the flatline. And so I would say our goal is not perfection. And our goal is not to aspire to the highest level of thriving in every moment. Our goal is understanding what does it look like when our kids are at baseline where they are healthy, where they are safe, where they feel connected, where they feel like they're moving forward. You know, they are, we see evidence of growing and where they have some sense of contentment and that's baseline. And then how do we push in support and love and care and the extras, you know, activities and friendships and those pieces from the whole ecosystem of people and places around them to help them stay at that baseline or above. 
And so I'm picturing, I, I do not understand this. This is just the image that popped into my head. You know, you see videos of like singers, musicians in the recording studio and all the little flashing lights that are going up and down as they're making music. I do not understand what those lights all mean, but I am picturing these five lights, you know, just toggling various levels up and down. And so I like some, it's going to be way, way up. And this one might not be, that's okay in the moment. Like we don't all have to be bright all the time. It's, oh my gosh. Also like you can be like, it's, it's human, right? So the way that I think about this is more instructive. So let's take health and healing. Mm-hmm. Kid is healthy in this moment today. Great. If they are exercising and they eat healthy and you do sort of the extras, they get great sleep. Um, and you've, you know, you've helped them get that. That's sort of like that, that needle moves up the line. Mm -hmm. If it goes down below that baseline, they don't have enough sleep. They're feeling sick, whatever it is, that is our signal that they need services or supports. So the way to think about this is not your goal as a parent is to always keep them thriving. Your goal as a parent is to do what you can to create the conditions where thriving is possible. And then to pay attention to your kid when the line is up, awesome, nourish it, nurture it. And when it goes down, services and supports. What do these kids need? Got it. Services and support, awesome for our kids. What about us? Answers after these messages from our sponsors. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me. So I'm 51. She's 41. And she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. 
Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. Let me ask you this question because these conditions are essential for thriving for humans, which applies to us as parents as well. Sure does. So let's say I'm listening to this and certainly I'm concerned about my kids. I wouldn't be listening to this podcast if I wasn't concerned about my kids. But I realize in listening that I am struggling in, in one or more of those realms. And perhaps, you know, and I see what's going on with my kids. Is it better to toggle my attention towards my children and bringing in su- supports and services for my children Or would it be better to toggle over and maybe bring in some supports and services for myself first? Or maybe this is something we can go two things at once. So I had my birthday last week and I was journaling. I sort of did like a year reflection and I actually used these conditions to kind of audit and inventory how I was and then set my own intentions for the year. So to what degree did I feel safe and supported in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my job? Yeah. Uh, Same thing for each and then setting intentions. And I would say that another reason why I wrote whole child, whole life was because we as parents and anybody who works with kids, like we have a job to do and that job is hard. And that job is above and beyond what it takes to take care of ourselves. We have a real responsibility there. And so it has to be a both at once because there is a deep interdependence. If we are not well, the kids are impacted by it. That said, like if you're going to have to choose in a, in a short-term situation as a mom, I'm always going to choose my kids, but I have got to have the knowledge that like, that is a short near-term decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In Mm -hmm. the long-term, I cannot parent and show up and care for these kids in the ways that they need to, because here's where the delineation happens. As young people are growing up, they depend on adults to do what adults can do for themselves later in life. So I can do for myself things that my kids cannot do for themselves. And that that shortens as kids get older and closer mm-hmm. to adulthood. But they are far more reliant on adults showing up and providing the level of skill and support and service to them than they will when they're when they're older. We're the scaffolding. And That's we right. need we need to do what we can to make sure that we are uh, you know, firm supportive scaffolding, not, you know, rickety and about ready to collapse. Uh when there's any stress on the scaffolding. This may be an imperfect analogy, but I am making this up as I go along. We have like a long list of metaphors and analogies in today's conversation. We really Um, do. But I would say like, no kid needs a burned out mom. No kid needs a burned out teacher, counselor, social worker, coach, whoever. And if kids need you in a moment that feels like crisis or catastrophe, we rally. We rally yeah, we do. that moment. The ideal is we got to take care of ourselves. 
and we have to take care of these kids um, because we both deserve what happens then. And the, the last thing I'll say about the science of thriving, what gives me so much optimism and hope is that bottom line is today is a little bit different than previous generations. Although maybe in the, you know, a long time ago, we saw this too, where young people and adults need to survive and thrive at the same time, because they're, you know, we just kind of vacillate between these things that goes back to that idea of the EKG thriving begets thriving. It, yeah. it is as it is even more contagious than anxiety. When somebody is lit up from the inside and they are doing well, it is so much easier for the kids around them to do well too. Um, and so that's an important, just like principle, science backed principle to cling to. That is so encouraging and so beautiful. And I recognize the innate truth of it as you're saying it, thriving is contagious. And so when we do this with ourselves, with our children, we are very actively um, making the world a better place. We are very actively kind of striking a blow against this climate of doom and gloom that seems pretty pervasive right now. And I get why it's there. I mean, we started this episode talking about school shootings and wildfires and hurricanes, and it's hard to hear that list and go, yep, life is great. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of, so um, my bookshelf is to the left of me, and there is a woman who wrote about, she went down after Katrina, and she was looking at disaster zones. And the title of her book is A Paradise in Hell. And basically what she says is, in these moments of, of catastrophe and crisis, that we see the worst and the best, but there are ways in which communities and people come together and rally and create things that are so beautiful and powerful and important. And so I think that is the call to parents right now is how do we create spaces and places and relationships that just nourish and feed these kids, even as, even when. Yes. Parents, I want you to listen to that again, if you can, to reflect on this. Thriving is possible. Thriving is possible amidst difficulty. There are so many examples, if you think about it, looking back through human history, I'm sure you have some in your own life already. You've gone through difficult things. Your family has gone through difficult things. Hold on to that. It can be easy to get lost in, in the news and in the headlines. Thriving is possible, and it is such a worthwhile pursuit, it, even if for no other reason, it feels good. That's right. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us again today. Um, your book is Whole Child, Whole Life, 10 Ways to Help Kids Live, Learn, and Thrive. And I know that you're going to be on the road a fair amount this fall. Where can people kind of go to see if you're going to be in their neighborhood? Well, that means updating my website, which I'm <laughs> overdue to do. Um, but people can find me at Stephanie Malia Kraus with two S's, no E dot com or wholechildwholelife.com. And this will be my 
reminder to go ahead and post that tour schedule. Um, but yes, I would love to connect with listeners if we are close by to each other. And if you heard this conversation and you think it would be a good one for a parent group that you are a part of, a PTO, your school, these are conversations we need to be having, prioritizing our kids' well-being, being very realistic about their real lived experience. Um, and so reach out. I would love to connect. Thank you so much for joining me and thank you for your work in the world. You make me feel better and more hopeful and uh, it makes me smile. Thank you, Stephanie. Great. Thanks, Jen. Even more than anxiety, thriving is contagious. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation. As Stephanie said, if this feels like it would be valuable for a parent group, for your school, please reach out to her. And as always, we're here for you. Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. Thanks for being our listeners and thanks for supporting our sponsors. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.